0: Well, good morning, First Baptist Church. (laughs) So, let me set the scene for you. It's Sunday, May 12th, 2.32 p.m. I'm in my living room, on my couch with a laptop in my lap, staring at a screen. And it's been a lazy day thus far. Star Trek, science projects, temper tantrums. You know, just the normal Sunday afternoon in the Suggs' house. So, why is this day significant? Well, there are Bibles, notes, and commentaries spread everywhere, and tears in my eyes. I'm writing a sermon! (laughs) And pastors have to do this every week? These people must be mutants, or Vulcans, or something. So, my mom comes up the stairs, her hands full of different Bibles and commentaries. The new Revised Standard Version. The Message by Eugene H. Peterson, The New American Standard Bible, Zondervan NIV Bible Commentary, Mercer Dictionary of the Bible, and The Voice. She told me to read through all these Bibles and try and see if I could get any new ideas to spark anything and help me write this sermon. As I read, and read, and read, I started to get bored. I was reading the same passage over and over and over again. Nothing was different. I was reading the same passage with a few different words here and there, and nothing was interesting. I was bitter and upset because I was stuck inside reading 10,000 versions of the Bible, when I could be hanging out with my friends or doing something else. After I finished the last one, my mom comes up to me and asks me, Which one did you like the most? Which one spoke to you? I picked up the voice and said this one. When asked why, I replied, because all the others seemed old and dusty. I felt bad saying this. Like, really bad. I mean, it's the Bible. It's the most holy text in Christianity. Calling the text old and dusty just felt wrong. But my mom, an ordained Baptist minister with an MDiv in preaching and pastoral ministry, and my dad. Also, an ordained Baptist minister with an M. chaplaincy tell me, that's right, that's the way you should look at this. They reassure me and tell me that everything I'm saying is great and perfect for a sermon. Now you're probably wondering why I felt the need to mention this. Why is some teenage girl stepping up in front of us and telling us about her journey to writing this sermon? Because it clicked. A different translation of the text shed a new light for me. So, here I Revelation 21 1 through 6, the voice translation. I looked again and could hardly believe my eyes. Everything above me was new. Everything below me was new. Everything around me was new. Because heaven and earth that had been had passed away, and the sea was gone completely. And I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem, descending out of heaven, from God. Prepared with a bride on her wedding day, adorned for her husband and for his eyes only. And I heard a great voice coming from the throne. See, the whole of God is with his people. He will live among them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them. The prophecies are fulfilled. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning, no more. Crying, no more. Pain, no more. For the first things have gone away. See friends, I was trying to think like Elisa, or Charlie, or Julie. I wanted a rubric, a list of instructions telling me what to include and what to say. I wanted something to tell me the right way to do it. The right way. Then I started thinking back to previous sermons for some kind of clue to write the right sermon. I thought about Pastor Julie's Easter sermon about the snake. The snake made its way into a house, got its head cut off, but kept writing and wreaking havoc, destroying the inside of this house, destroying everything that was set up in the house as it was, then finally stopped and died. In Julie's sermon, the snake represented death, but I also thought about something else. The missionaries whose house the snake destroyed thought that they might be able to control the snake somehow. They didn't really know the power of the snake. They asked for help from a local to control it. it. Sounds kind of like us, friends. Some of you might be going, this kid's lost her mind. She's rambling and talking nonsense, but it's true. We make so many mistakes when we try and control things, and then we end up wrecking them instead. The Bible is full of examples of control-hungry people who start off with good intentions, but then end up wrecking things. Eve thought that knowledge would be a good thing. Sarah thought that she'd never get pregnant. Joseph thought that moving the Israelites to Egypt would be a good idea. Moses thought he'd see the Promised Land. David thought that marrying the king's daughter would work out okay. Tamar thought that her father would protect her. On and on and on, this pattern repeats. We are the ones who branch off and decide, here is what is acceptable for God. This is what God wants from us. So what God wants from us is no women pastors and women in leadership roles. No people who have a messed up marital status. No people who love others of the same gender. No people who don't feel comfortable in the bodies that they were born with. No people with disabilities or mental health problems. No one who isn't perfect. Because all of those people, they aren't worthy of God's love. But that's just not people, us people, all people, deserve God's love. Sometimes we're the snake with the head cut off. We're the ones who keep causing trouble and are messing everything up. And yet, God is the one who keeps inviting us back. God is the one who keeps inviting us back to the table. No matter what we do, no matter how much we break, no matter how much we bruise, no matter how much we hurt, God keeps coming back keeps inviting us back. He keeps inviting us home. God keeps coming back over and over, claiming us as his people. Claiming us as perfect because that's the way that God created us. See, the home of God is with God's people. God will live among them. They will be God's people. For the first things have gone away. See, I am making all things new. So who are we to say who can be welcome? Who are we to step in and say you aren't welcome in God's home? In God's eyes. Because friends, in God's eyes, we're all perfect. We are all God's people. Everything was new. Everything was new. So friends, let these old wrong ways become the new right ways in God's new kingdom. For you, for me, and for all of us. The old kingdom is dead. The old kingdom is that snake lying in the kitchen that is finally done. Finally finished. The new way is how we choose to rebuild our house. How we choose to include all, love all, and accept all. Listen to God's call. See, I am making all things new. See. The home of God is God's people. See
1: the Lord with you. Amen. We are a part of a grand movement. We are not just getting rid of the old and creating something new, but we are making all things anew. We are reshaping our path towards a future of redemption and self-discovery. We are entering into an era of hope. I have a couple hopes for myself. I hope that I am less caught up in the past failures or mistakes I have made. I don't know about you, but I tend to emphasize what I did wrong and dwell on how I could have done everything better. But the thing is, what has happened in the past is done. This isn't back to the future where I can travel back in time to correct my mistakes. This is reality. And if I am ever able to truly grow and understand myself, I first must be able to accept all aspects of my life, including my mistakes, which are opportunities that I take for granted to grow. I hope that I am able to become more open-minded and willing to work with others for change. I wish to see, as no progress will be made if I am unable to unite with people of all different perspectives. For change to come, the burden must not rest on one person's shoulders, but must be shared with others. With this, the burden no longer stays a burden, but becomes an effort to make a difference. I hope that I become less of a bystander of change in this era of redemption and self-discovery. If I want to see progress made, then I must work with others to have it made, and not wait for others to do so themselves. There is also hope for the world. With each passing day, the values within our society are changing. Our levels of awareness are enhancing, and we must be able to adapt to those times. You must pull a Walt Disney. Now, Walt Disney, a founder of the Disney Company, was a man full of creativity and passion. He hoped that the films Disney produced would be remade every 10 to 20 years, or so, in order to better resonate with each generation, as each generation's values are different from one another. Don't worry, I'm not saying to stop whatever you are doing and develop films that each generation can connect to, but hopefully, our global society can be willing to be more mindful when understanding each individual. Hopefully, our global society will become more inclusive and advocate for equal opportunities and unity between all persons, regardless of their ethnicity, how strong one's faith is, who they choose to love, and who each person chooses to be. As a society, we should move past an age of tolerance, but into an age of love. Grateful for how diverse we all are as humans, where we all can come to hold hands with tenderness. And finally, I have hopes for this congregation of the First Baptist Church of Washington, D.C. Born and raised in D.C. since the 19th century, it has always been our duty to influence the minds of our fellow citizens through our love of Christ. And as that is our duty, it is also our duty to be more inclusive, inviting people from all walks of life. We are here to ease the pain torment, sadness, anxiety, and more to the best of our ability, and hopefully we can do more of that in the future. Fellow brothers and sisters, we are in a transitional era of all things anew. There is this beautiful, crazy, magnificent thing called life that is racing through our veins, and we must be willing to share this vitality with everyone. Each one of us has a power itching to wake inside of us, and once we are able to acknowledge that power, that hope for change within us, there is no obstacle in our path that can hold us back. We will be ready to make all things anew. Now we will rest for a few minutes to hear the words of the Holy Spirit.